Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. I want to read from 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to continue this story of Elijah. Last week, if you were here, Christy and I shared about overflowing faith. But today I want to talk to you about fading faith. Because sometimes we can have a season or a moment of where we're walking in an overflow. Where it feels like the rain has fallen on our lives. And then a moment later, a day later, a week later, a month later, suddenly we find ourselves in a struggle. Suddenly we find that faith that felt so strong feels like it's diminishing day after day. Have you ever found your faith fading in your life? I know I have. And sometimes in the church we like to talk like life doesn't kick you in the teeth sometimes. We we talk all about faith and just stay faithful and stay strong. And sometimes we forget that struggles are real. And we find ourselves in a battle and there's seasons or moments and maybe you're in one right now where we sense our faith just fading and we're just holding on by a, by a, by a thread, by a string. And maybe today you feel like you're just barely holding on in your faith. And Elijah related to that. I don't know if you remember if you were here last week, but we shared about how he, he has a battle, a mano y mano. It's Elijah against 450 prophets. And they both call down fire and Baal doesn't respond. And God responds and burns up the sacrifice on Elijah's behalf to show the people who the true God is. And so they take those 450 prophets of Baal and they kill them. They wipe them out. And Elijah tells the the king, Ahab, They've been in a three and a half year famine. It means it hasn't rained in three and a half years. It means they've been in a struggle. The people are dying. And he tells Ahab, he says, it's going to rain. And the rain falls. And so this is a moment of victory for Elijah. And I'm sure you've had moments of victory in your life, in your faith. And then literally a day later, he experiences something, an attack. And this is what happens. First Kings chapter 19, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. So he's all alone. But he himself went a day's journey into into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Can you relate to Elijah? Here, a moment after victory, a moment after winning a battle, a moment after seeing the rain fall and predicting it, he's like, God, just kill me. 
He goes off by himself to a wilderness. You ever just get alone in your feelings? Just, just you and you're inside of you and you're focused on you and you're in your feelings like, I can't do it anymore. Let me tell you, this is what Elijah is experiencing. We've all been there. But today I want to talk to us about how we can mitigate fading faith. Because your faith will fade in seasons. But we must declare and decide to focus on the God that was faithful the day before and he's going to be faithful in the days that are coming. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell him he's faithful. Tell him he's faithful and you can be seated this morning. So hey, I'm so glad you guys are here. Thanks for standing with me. I know I made you stand a little longer. Your legs got tired. But hey, I want to dig in today to this idea of fading faith. I just set the stage for it. I gave you some background. You understand uh, that, that the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, had been in this uh, wicked decline. They'd been worshiping all the wrong idols and prophets of Baal. Uh, they'd turned to child sacrifice, all these sorts of things. As a result, God sends a three-and-a-half-year famine. Uh, we can relate to this because this last year maybe felt like a famine for a lot of us. And yet... God moves on behalf of one prophet because Elijah stands up for his faith. And yet a day later, we, we can guesstimate Elijah now is running for his life. He went from a moment of victory, standing on the mountaintops, slaughtering the evil prophets of Baal, watching the rain fall as he had predicted to now a moment of being alone in the wilderness saying, God, kill me. God, take me out. I can't do this anymore. And I think we've all been there in our lives. And that's why this, this message and this scripture and this story spoke to me so much. Because I've been in my feelings at times. I've been in a season of feeling discouraged and defeated and even depressed and yet I believe God wants to help us and I want to give us some tools today to help us mitigate the fading faith that we all find ourselves in as followers of Christ you see we have to treat our triggers so that's the first thing I want to encourage you with today if you're going to mitigate your fading faith you have to treat your triggers how many of you know we have triggers in our lives like I have some triggers, my wife will tell you. She knows all my triggers and she loves to flick those triggers. Y'all know your spouses know your triggers more than anybody. And if you're not married, you have this to look forward to. They know every button to push to trigger you like no one else in your life. Verse 2, Jezebel hears what Elijah has done. And she decides to send a messenger to Elijah. She says, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Saying, I'm going to kill you like you killed them. This is Jezebel speaking. And what happens? Elijah is triggered. He has just come off a banner moment. 
wiping out the prophets of Baal. Fire falls from heaven. Rain has come. And now Jezebel is trying to kill him. I think that sometimes we blame God for the situations we find ourselves in. And I've done that before. Like, God, how could you do this to me? How could you bring me to this? How could you make me uh, face what I'm facing? And what we don't know is often we need to celebrate the storms that God may bring our way. Because what God may be doing is developing your faith in a different way. He may be building your faith in a new way, in a way that you will come out of it stronger than you went into it. Fading faith though, isn't always your fault. Can you receive this today? Like, fading faith isn't always your fault. Sometimes we are so hard on ourselves, and we beat ourselves up so much because we're like, man, I'm triggered, and, and my faith is fading, and it's all my fault, and, and I, I failed. But sometimes life just comes, and naturally, there's a leak in our faith. Some things that we say here, or something we say here at this church is, is that vision leaks. And that's why we have to constantly be speaking the vision over our church, which is Project Church exists to lead life, to lead all people to find life and freedom in Jesus. And so we say it, and we say it, and we encourage it, and we say our blueprints, which are core values to, to our team all the time. Why? Because we don't want that vision to leak. But sometimes life will puncture a little hole in your faith. And I don't think God is mad at you or disappointed in you when you sense your faith fading a little bit. But what I think we have to do is we have to treat our triggers and say, God, my faith is fading, but I don't want to allow it to continue this way. I want to patch the hole in my faith today. You know, one of my greatest gifts as a leader, and I'm not here to brag today, I don't have many gifts, but I think probably my greatest gift is my inability to not get too high or too low. And anyone that knows me, my wife will tell you, she calls me a robot all the time. She says, you don't have emotions. Why do you never cry? I say, I don't know. This is how God made me. And what sometimes frustrates her about me is also probably what has become one of my greatest strengths is because in life, how many know you have mountaintop moments and you have valley moments? But what happens is when people get on the mountaintop and then they come out of it, they feel like they're failing or they feel like something's gone wrong or when they're in the valley moments, they want to quit. But I think like one of my greatest gifts is I don't care if I'm on the mountain or in the valley. I'm going to just say, God, I'm going to enjoy this season, but I'm going to learn something through this season. I'm not going to allow this season to define me because the mountaintops come, but they don't last. And the valleys come, the storms come, but how many know they don't last either? You will come out of those. We get in a building. Ooh. We were high, high, high. This was high. This was a high moment when we got in here five months ago. But how many of you know, the same week we moved into this building, I had people coming at me telling me all the ways I was failing as a leader. The same season, we're walking into the overflow of the new space and seeing our church grow and having a banner year financially. I got people 
coming at me, telling me how I don't care about our sheep enough. So you have high moments and low moments. But what I've decided is I'm going to treat my triggers by trusting in God no matter what anyone else says. No matter what people might speak over my life. I'm going to say, no, God, I'm trusting you. I'm keeping my eyes on you. You see, your faith may fade. You will have triggers in your life. You know those things in your life that set you off. You know those things in your life that actually pull you away from God and do cause your faith to fade. And that's why we have to be mindful of them, avoid them, learn from them, and focus on the right things. If we're going to mitigate our faith, we have to fight the fear. How many know fear is real? Like fear is real in this life. And, and I think this is one of the most astounding things I see, I've ever seen as I've studied the scripture or, or the scriptures in general in the Old Testament, is that Elijah, the prophet who had survived three and a half years of famine, the Bible tells us in the chapters early, earlier, he's fed by, by birds, literally are bringing food in their beaks and feeding him so he can survive the famine. There's a widow whose oil continues to refill to feed him. Elijah, who had just killed 450 prophets and saw fire fall from heaven, from God. Elijah, who just a few verses earlier had said, it's going to rain, and he sends his messenger, his servant, out and, and says, hey, go over to the, the edge of the hill and tell me what you see. And it says that Elijah gets on his knees and puts his head between his legs to wait on the rain. I don't know why he did that. Uh, uh, it, it was a unique act, but this is what he does. And his servant comes back, says there's nothing. It's blue skies. He says, go again. He comes back, nothing. Seven times he sends him back. And when he comes back the seventh time, he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah says, that's it. The rain is about to fall, and next thing you know, there is a great storm, and the rain falls on the land. And Elijah, who had just seen all this happen, gets a messenger from Jezebel, and it says that he's afraid. That blows my mind, because when I hear that, when I see that, I think, Jezebel sent a messenger. I'm thinking Elijah would have got that message and just laughed. If it's me, if I'm Elijah, I would have just laughed. I would have been like, look, let me tell you where you can take that. Let me tell you, Jezebel, what you can do with that noise, where you can take that noise, because I don't got time for that. That's what I would have thought would have happened. The rain has come, the drought is over, and Elijah is afraid. You see, Jezebel sends a messenger because she knows she can't kill him. If Jezebel could have killed Elijah, she would have just gone and killed Elijah. If Jezebel could have killed Elijah, she would have sent some of her regents, some of her cronies to go bring him back and to kill him. But she sends a messenger. Why? Because when the enemy is afraid of you, he will try to make you afraid of him. 
When the enemy is afraid of you, he will try to intimidate you. You see, he knows something that God knows. The enemy knows just like we know, but we sometimes cannot convince ourselves of. Christians are walking around in fear, but I wanted to tell you today that the devil found out long ago, a long time ago, that he cannot curse what God has already blessed. And God has already blessed you, put his blessings on you, and there is nothing for you to fear. And yet we walk around as Christians afraid. Like Elijah, we've seen God move. We've seen miracles. We've seen fire fall from heaven. We've seen the rains open up when there should have not been rain. We've seen God increase our finances in this church and get us in a building in the middle of a pandemic when it shouldn't have happened. And then here we are a few months later, and I'm afraid at times. So actually, when I think about it, it's not that astounding that Elijah followed these moments with fear because how many know I followed moments of rain with fear? How many know you followed moments of overflow and provision and miracles with fear and yet we have to fight the fear? You see, God's got you. You're still here. If you aren't dead yet, I wanted to tell you there is nothing the enemy can do to defeat you, to kill you. And Elijah needed to be reminded of that. And some of you today in this place need to rem be reminded of that. Because you've been walking in fear and God is telling you right now, you have nothing to fear. I've got you. I've already blessed you. My hand is upon you. And Elijah runs for his life. Why, why is this? And I was thinking about it because Elijah has spent the last three and a half years as a man on the run. I mean, he, he is a sojourner. He is a survivor. Where are my survivors at? You just know how to survive. I see you. You're just a survivor. You've been through so much. You've walked through so much. If you got up here and told us, we'd all be like, oh, snap. Oh, thank you, Lord, that I don't have that life, right? Uh, we... You all have been through some things in your life, and you've survived. And I want to remind you of this. But I think that Elijah, his identity had been wrapped up in his survivorhood. Is that a word? In his survival. His, his identity had been wrapped up in the idea that he was a survivor through famine. And now the favor of God has fallen on him. And the rain has fallen on the land. And God has answered all the prayers and all the provision has come. And it's almost like in this moment that Elijah doesn't know how to live in the blessing. He's better at living or surviving in the famine than he is living in the blessing. And some of you can identify with this because what's happened for you is your identity has become the famine. Your identity has become surviving. And when the blessing comes, you actually push back on it. You go, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can accept that. And today I want to encourage you. You are more than a conqueror. We are not victims in this house. We are victors in Christ Jesus. Fight the fear. Stop walking in fear. Running from the blessing. Because listen to me, church. Jesus has already covered it. 
the sin that you've allowed yourself to get bound up in to become your identity, God has already forgiven it, washed it away, made it clean, made it new. And so stop walking in the fear of your failure and step into the blessing of who you are as a child of God. But the reality is a moment of faith can be followed by a moment of fear. And this is why our faith fades. Because in one season, in one moment, there's provision. And the next moment, we, we, we have a little attack or, or a small, small sliver of doubt. And we allow that to take root in our hearts. And the fear can actually pull our faith away. So we have to mitigate this fading faith by also putting down our pity. I'm talking about the pity parties. You see, I'm guilty of throwing a pity party. My wife will tell you. I have my moments of a pity party. And uh, I think that we have a proclivity or a propensity for pity parties. I just need to pull out some peas on you today. It's something ingrained in us. Woe is me. No one understands. I'm all alone. I'm the only one. You see, the enemy wants to convince you that you're alone. Because he knows that isolation is when you are most vulnerable. And so the enemy's goal is isolation. That's why this season I've had such a problem with. And, and I get it because there's a pandemic, and I don't want to get myself in trouble because my wife's always saying, be careful what you say, okay? So I, I love you online. I love all you in the room, and I believe this virus is real and all that, okay? I just got to say that up front. But the isolation that we've decided on is the very thing that the enemy wants for us. And not just for Christians, because he wants to keep the world isolated too. Because he knows in isolation, you are vulnerable. You are most vulnerable because you were not meant to be outside of community. And this is why community groups, which are launching this week, are so important. Was it a shameless plug? Yes. I want to encourage you to join a group. But what happens is we get alone and we get in our feelings. We get inside of ourselves and we start throwing these pity parties. And what happens in verse 4? It actually says that he prays that he would die. God, kill me. Can you imagine a day after seeing rain come after three and a half years of famine. A day after slaughtering 450 prophets because the fire has fallen from heaven and God did it. And he's going, Jezebel wants to kill me, God. Like, why don't you just kill me? Just let my life end. I'm all alone. And he goes on in verse 10. He says, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Throw down your altars. Killed your prophets. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. You see what he said there? He said, I only, I am left. He says, I'm the only one. I'm all alone. There's no one with me. Uh, help me. End me. You may be in a season of invisibility. You may be in a season of what you see as insignificance, but I wanted to tell you that it's not nothing. 
double negative. What you are walking through right now, the season you find yourself in is not nothing because God uses everything. He can take your season of invisibility and develop you into who you were meant to be for the season of prominence. He can take your season of insignificance and develop the humility in you that you needed to walk into the blessing and the overflow that is coming. What's happening right now in your life may feel unfair, but I wanted to tell you that God is doing something. When Elijah sends his servant and the servant comes back and says, look, I've gone seven times. There's nothing but a cloud the size of a man's hand. I got a hand. Can you imagine looking out in the sky and this is all you see? And he keeps coming back and saying, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. Well, there's a, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. And you know what, Elijah, how he responds to that? He says, go prepare, prepare yourself for the rain. Sometimes all we need is a sliver, a moment. We just need something to see. And God can remind us and say, put down the pity. Let go of thinking you're all alone. You're not the only one. God's got you and he's going to do something in your life and through your life. But we cannot allow ourselves to get within ourselves, to isolate ourselves, to see ourselves as invisible and insignificant. And as a result, we think that God has nothing for us. So I challenge you today when pity rises up in yourself, that you would push back on the pity and you would say, God, I'm trusting in your promises. I'm trusting in what you've spoken over me. We mitigate our fading faith when we recognize that we may just need rest. How many of you know sometimes you just need a nap? I love Sundays because I get to come here and experience the presence of God and, and, and preach and, and connect with all of you. But I got to tell you, by, by noon, I'm like, oh, Lord, the nap is coming. Because I know Sunday around 3 p.m., I'm out, and it is a blessing. Verse 5 and 6, he goes off to the wilderness alone. And he says, Lord, it's enough. Can you just kill me? Take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. And there, then verse 6, or verse 5, and he lay down and slept under a broom tree. Behold, an angel touched him, said to him, Arise and eat. He looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones, a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. Angel of the Lord came again a second time, touched him, and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. I just want to take a moment to tell you that maybe the fading faith you're experiencing is the result of you not recognizing your need for rest. You know, I wonder if Elijah had been going and going. He'd been surviving for three and a half years. I, I mean, I'm guessing survival was not easy. He's living in caves and he's sleeping on the ground and he's just waiting for food to be delivered to him by birds. And then he would eat it. He's been in this survival mode. I'm guessing his, his um, you know, he, he'd been having and putting out all this energy. 
And now there's this moment where he just needs some rest. And some of you are in a season of fading faith, and maybe you just need some rest. He takes a nap. He eats food. He naps again. He eats some more food. And then he's ready for the next journey. See, some of you think you're the energizer bunny. Just keep going and going and going. Some of you are too young to know that reference. That's okay. Then you wonder why you feel so depressed, so discouraged. You know, in, in our ministry experience, I have moments of feeling tired. But for the most part, I can honestly say I've never burned out. And the thing is, there is a, a, a pandemic of burnout within pastors. They say that only 30% of pastors who start a ministry finish in ministry. The other 70% quit along the journey. And I can honestly say, uh, you know, I've been doing this since I was 23 years old. Uh, I'm, that was 16 years ago. So now you guys know how old I am. And, uh, and I can say that in 16 years of ministry, I really haven't burned out. And, and people have asked me, like, how, why, how have you sustained it all these years? I mean, we planted a church while having multiple children and raising them and uh, another campus. And we've done a build. How? And I tell them all the time, because I've implemented regular rest into my life. Regular rest into my weeks. Regular rest into my year. And so I just want to encourage you because some of you find yourself, your faith just goes up and down. It's like such a roller coaster. And, and I'm not saying that you can't have highs and lows. But, but I, I want the roller coaster of faith to be a little more like this and less like this. In my life, I've tried to get it a little more like this. It ebbs and it flows, and that's okay. And I'm a little higher sometimes, and I'm a little lower sometimes. But I don't want to go high and crash. And the, the best advice I can give to you is that you would rest. You see, how can you have overflow in your life if you're constantly operating from an empty cup? And if the band would come back. So many Christians are trying to pour out and pour out and pour out, and their cup is empty. And I'm here to tell you, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable as a parent, as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, as a friend, as a servant of Christ, as a small group leader, as whatever it is you do. It's not sustainable. If you're not resting. And we declared 2021 to be our year of overflow. And I got the wristband on today. They were supposed to come in last week. But you guys are going to get them on the way out today. Overflow 2021. You see, I want to see an overflow. Not just on Sunday mornings or in our church. But in your lives Monday through Saturday. In your jobs with your coworkers, that you're pouring out the presence and the power and the love of God everywhere you go with your family and with your friends. But that only comes when your cup is full. You can't spill the overflow from an empty cup. And so I just want to challenge us today that we would find rhythms of rest.
because you could just keep going and going and going. And before you know it, you're in Elijah's shoes. Or he's saying, God, I'm all alone. I got nothing left. Just take my life. He doesn't even want to let Jezebel take it. He says, you take it. And maybe he just needed a nap. Maybe you're just hangry. You just need to eat something. And that's why I tell people all the time, being here is so important. Which leads to the last part of this. Which if you're going to mitigate fading faith, you have to pursue the presence of God. You see, that's why being here is so important. Watching online is so important. It's why we encourage people to be planted in the house of God. Because you can grow in your faith on your own. And I've had a lot of conversation with Christians who would tell me, like, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to church to, to have strong faith. And I would say, uh, I, I object to that. Because it's not just that you need the church, it's that the church needs you. That you have a place in the body, and when you're missing, a part of the body is missing. And that's why I, I tell people, prioritize the house of God. Prioritize the presence of God. But not only that, I do think you need the church. Because every time I'm here in the presence of God, I, I feel a little more poured into my cup. I feel a little more poured into my life. And I walk out and, and my faith feels stronger. Because how many know life hits you and it does fade? But if your rhythms allow a constant infilling and refilling and refreshing, then that diminishing or that fading, it only takes a bit. But if your cup is empty and that last little bit is drained, you're left with nothing. How many know, though, that surviving is sometimes the most uh, crucial thing you can do? So the fact that some of you even still have faith, I would say, is an accomplishment. With all you've been through. Yes, Lord, I heard that text message. Somebody silenced their phone. He said, wrap it up. I said, I got you, God. I want to tell you, it's time to walk in the overflow. Some of you have had a survival mentality and you've survived in your faith this far and I want to say well done good and faithful servant well done that you are still even walking in faith at all is an accomplishment it's something to celebrate but here's what I believe God wanted to say today you are no longer a survivor only it's time for you to thrive because some of us our faith has been defined by survival like Elijah he was just a survivor. And now the rain has fallen. The overflow has come. The, the famine has ended. And yet his identity is so wrapped up in survivorhood that I don't think he even knows how to walk in the overflow. And some of you today need to learn what it means to walk in the overflow of faith. All you've known is a cup on empty. And we're declaring overflow, and you're like, that's cool and all, but I've never been there. I've never experienced that. And I want to challenge us that we would prepare our hearts for it.
You see, it's amazing that you can be blessed and you can be in a blessed situation like Elijah and yet have a dry soul. And that's what he was experiencing. He, he runs to the cave in the wilderness and isolates himself. He gets alone. And, and this astounds me because, I mean, this is the man that has seen God pour out for the first time. The rain is literally falling outside. And he's hiding in a dry place. Some of you need to step out of the drought mentality. The dry place mentality. And step into the overflow of what God has for you. You see, I don't believe God's calling you just out of a drought today. He's calling the drought out of you. Because all you've known is drought. All you've identified with is drought. All you, you, you've understood or defined your faith by is drought and surviving the drought. And God is saying, I'm calling the drought out of you and I'm building an overflow mentality, an overflow spirit, an overflow faith. No longer will your faith be empty. Your faith is going to be overflowing. Because some of you, you're not in a dry season. You're just in a dry place. And all you got to do is step out of the cave. See, the rain's falling and Elijah's in the cave in the dry place. Hiding, waiting, asking, God, just kill me. Sometimes you just have to get out of the cave. Come out of yourself. Get out of your feelings. And allow the whisper of the Lord to fill you. Because I want to close with this. God speaks to Elijah after he, he repeats to God again in verse 10. He says, look, I'm the only one left. They seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it. Pieces, the rock, broken pieces, the rock before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. You see, some of you need to step out today of the dry place and allow the whisper of the Lord to fill you to overflowing. Can we stand to our feet all across this place? I want us to, yes, Lord, we're closing. Y'all killing me up here. Just, just put it on mute. I want us to sing this song. And I want this to be our declaration of us receiving the overflow from the Lord. So would you do something with me? You see, the, the whisper of the Lord, I believe, is coming and has come to this place today. And God wants to give you an overflowing faith. And all you've known is drought. All you've known is survival. All you've known is an empty cup. And today, as we declare overflow over 2021, I believe God wanted you to receive an overflow in your faith. 
He wanted to fill your cup like never before so that when you walk out of this place, you spill on everyone you come in contact with. So here's what I want us to do. If you're comfortable, I want you to lift your hands right now in this place as an act of receiving the overflow of God. The overflow of his whisper. You see, sometimes it's an earthquake. Sometimes it's a whisper. Today, I believe God wanted to breathe on us the whisper of God, the breath of God, the voice of God to fill our cups to overflowing. No longer will we be defined by the drought. God, we will not be a lack people, a drought people. We will walk in the overflow of your presence and your power and your purpose, God, and your destiny. So today, Lord, we lift our hands, receiving the overflow of your whisper, of your voice, of your presence. Come on, let's sing this song, church. Lift your voices and receive the overflow of faith in this place. Sing it, church. to sing this one more time but before we do I want to invite someone in this place who has not surrendered their faith to Jesus Christ to surrender today if you're watching online if you're in the room you have not said Jesus be the Lord of my life I surrender my heart and my life to you you cannot have faith without Jesus at the center so today I want to invite you if that's you I want you to respond to this by praying with me so if you need to surrender to Jesus right now, the Bible says all you have to do is confess with your mouth. Say it. The Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart. Believe it. And you'll be saved. So I want everyone online in this room, if that's you, I want everyone to repeat this after me. But that's you. I want you to pray this like you mean it. Repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me, to change me, to fill me with your faith, overflowing faith. I love you, Jesus, and I surrender to you in this place and from this day forward. I love you. My life is yours. Take it. Use it for your will. In your name, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for everyone online in the room that prayed that prayer. Let's sing this one more time in surrender, in belief for our faith to be filled to overflowing. Lift your voices, church. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.